Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's a Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer, Frank R. Curry. Derek's not here today, so I dragged Brayton through the basement of the WGR Sports Radio 550 studios, and I got him with me on the show today. Brayton, what's up? What's happening, Frank? Oh, or, well, or should I say, Fran? Yeah. Oh, good old Harrigan. <laughs> That's a joke from our ECC days. Brayton and I both graduated from ECC South Campus. Good old days at ECC, huh? Yeah. Good old good old days. They really were. Shout out to John Harrigan on the uh, on the Leftovers podcast. Yes. Uh, so, go right into it. The Bills game. Sunday. I'm scared. Oh, the... I'm scared. Against the Ravens? No. The, the big game on Sunday oh, against the oh, Bengals. This, this past Sunday. I'm scared. I'm scared. Because that offensive line. I know that they haven't had... Time to get in sync with a quarterback because we've had three different quarterback starts. But good God! Oh yeah, it was. It's bad. It wasn't pretty. No, no. It's it, it's. I'm. It worries me because I don't think they're gonna. It's that bad. Because that was really bad. Their performance on Sunday. But it worries me because it can be. That's probably the worst performance you'll see out of the offensive line this year, and it wouldn't be surprising if you ha- if you see that in the regular season, at points. Probably, <laughs> it's not it's a, it's not as bad as what it looked like, but it's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes you really question whether or not you want Josh Allen to be the guy under center come week one. Right. It's. It's one of those things that, you know, they'll have to try and work out those kinks and, and those mishaps uh, in this last preseason game, which will be tomorrow or whenever you're listening, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, it's it's something that's really concerning because the Bills did have their rookie quarterback in. I think they wanted to give him a good look at, you know, a, a really good defense in Cincinnati who I think doesn't get as much rep as they maybe once used the defense to defense is good. Their, their starting front four is phenomenal. I mean, they just got uh, Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins signed a contract extensions yeah. um, just yesterday. But and, and whenever you're listening, again, Tuesday. they got to sign Tuesday. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, man, just, just watching Josh Allen and, and the Bills' offensive line struggle throughout that entire first half, half was a little disheartening. And, and granted – Again, it's it's good experience for Josh Allen to get it this, is. but um, watching him get pressured and sacked the entire time, and then at the end of the second, the end of the second quarter, when he kind of hit his head on the turf and had yeah. to go into the concussion protocol, that was a little alarming too. Just because, oh boy, he's already been beat up as enough as it is. Just you know that that would just add insult to injury at that point. But, right. Um, you know there there is a lot of things that 
are concerning. I mean, the play of some of the offensive linemen, in particular, um, you know, the interior guys like Russell Bodine and yeah, Ryan he, Groy on a couple of plays at center, both ugh. letting guys get right by them. Vlad Dukas was pushed around the entire game by by Geno Atkins or whoever it was that he was going up against. Mm-hmm. And John Miller struggled even as well. And and what was weird is that, and I understand, I can I can understand why they did it. They Sean McDermott did a lot of rotating with the guys in the interior, especially um, getting Groy in there at center, then putting him at guard, and then uh, getting Bodine at center and then at guard, and, and just a bunch of different things that they were trying. And I get it. It's preseason. They want to try everything that they can. But at the same point, you know, you got to let Josh Allen throw the ball, and you got to let him you got to protect him to let him kind of continue to progress with his game because in the first two preseason games and throughout training camp of the preseason, he was progressing just fine. He was making really big strides to potentially become the starting quarterback in Buffalo. But uh, the second that that game happened, um, you know, he he didn't really get a good chance to really run the offense the way he yeah. wanted to. Yeah, a couple of the sacks that he took, he probably should have gotten rid of it a little bit earlier. But uh, again, I just I just don't find much fault in Josh Allen's game for how oh, that no, happened. Oh, no, 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 never, and, no. Um, and, yeah, we kind of we kind of went in thinking, oh, man, I cannot wait to watch this. It's it's kind of like one of those movies where you, you, you see really, the previews and, yeah. you, and, you, and you hear the you reviews hyped. and it's like, oh, man, this is going to be a great movie. And then the second you go, it was nothing is advertised and it's yep. just like you left you, you leave the movie what did I just watch empty. What and, what uh, what is like? What did I just watch? That that performance for Josh Allen, not his fault, mind no, you. No, not his fault. Uh, no, that was kind of what what we felt. And um, I think at this point, it's it's pretty clear that Nathan Peterman probably should be the starting quarterback to start the year against the Ravens. Yeah, and he he looked he he's looked a lot more sharper in, in this preseason as well. He's completed like what eighty percent of his passes. Yeah, something like uh, yeah, that. 80, yeah, and eighty point four percent of God. his passes he's completed. Yeah, so I. I mean, preseason doesn't really matter all that much, but at the same time, we're all. I think this preseason, us for us as Bills fans, has shown Josh Allen has is having his moments where he's looking good, and that's good because that means that means that he is developing, he is progressing to hopefully where he becomes this team's franchise quarterback. But I don't think it's this year. I it, it really feels like. You got to start Peterman this year because Allen not, does need that year to sit. But that's where. But then at the same time, this is where my bit my question comes in. You have all of this cap space going into next off season. Going to be at what about a hundred million in cap? Could be somewhere between seventy five and a hundred million. And you want to use that to not only make sure your defense is solidified, but especially with all the Khalil Mack rumors. I wouldn't be shocked if when Khalil Mack goes to free agency next year that the Bills are going to be one of the big players for him with all that money that they can spend. And then they're going to want to build the offense around Allen as well. Fix that offensive line. If you got to add a couple receivers, you add a couple receivers. Whatever they, whatever they need to do. And then obviously you have the draft. But if Allen sits this year... How can you build a team around him when you don't know what he is? That's my biggest question. So at the same time, while I'm thinking they should start, Nathan Peterman has to start because one, he's been better, and two, Allen has shown that he has his moments, but he still needs to he still needs to sit because he still needs to learn the NFL game. At the same time, you might as well just start Allen the whole year, let him play the whole year, 
so that you know what he is and you can let him progress as while playing because the best way to develop players is th- is them playing is them on the field right so that's where kind of where I'm I'm stuck right that's kind of really where I'm stuck because if you let Allen play the whole year then you you know what he is you know what he'll need in terms of who what kind of players you're going to want to sign in the offseason and draft in next year's draft as well yeah so then you you'll have that better idea if you sit him the whole year or let him play very little, it's going to be much tougher because it's harder to gauge how far he, he is in his progressions. Right. And, I mean, the thing with the thing with trying to get Allen in and, and seeing if he can be ready to start right away, I mean, that, that game, unfortunately, was the game that you really wanted to get that best look at Josh Allen on Sunday against the Bengals. Yeah. And, the offensive line didn't really help him out. No. Granted, yes, Josh Allen afterwards said I had some decisions that I should have made that I that I didn't make and I need to be better at that. And mind you, that's sure. great that he's able he's to recognizing that. He's recognizing that. And obviously with the coaches telling him too, he's at least able to he's still at least able to see it in enough. But film. you look but you look at some of the progression about other quarterbacks. I mean, the, one of the prime examples that I always refer to is Jared Goff. Yeah. Goff was a guy that went into his rookie season as the backup to Case Keenum in Los Angeles. Yeah. He sits behind Go- or he sits behind um, Keenum. Mm-hmm. He gets the time to understand and and really get a good feel of how the NFL game works. Um, then I believe um, Jeff Fisher gets fired sometime in close. I can't remember the exact yeah, timeline. Yeah, uh, Goff Goff eventually started, right. and then Fisher got and I think Fisher got fired after he made the decision okay. to, to start Goff. Yeah, I, I about exactly halfway through the year, went. I think. Right, but but still, but yeah. Then, Goff gets the chance to sit behind, learn a little bit about how the game works. Then the next thing you know, they make the decision, okay, Keenum's not getting us anywhere. Let's just throw the kid in. Let's throw the rookie see in and we, let's see what he can yeah, do. Yeah. And, you know, he should at this point have a good understanding of how things work. It didn't go so well right away, but well, we, by the, the end of the year, Jared Goff looked competent enough to be able to manage a game, be a good game manager. And the next year, he comes in under Sean McVay, a very new, innovative, yeah. offensive style of coach, and he is able to lead the Rams to a playoff. And even then, there was some rumblings that, I mean, he was close to being an MVP candidate, and it was the same thing with, with Carson Wentz, you yeah. know, with how he progressed, too. Just the fact that he came in and wasn't expected to be the starter. However, then the, the, the Eagles traded Sam Bradford to the Vikings, and then mm-hmm. next thing you know, Carson Wentz is starting the entire year. It doesn't go so well right off the bat. But then this past year, before he tore his ACL, he was an MVP type of quarterback. He was going to win MVP until I, he I, tore his ACL. I bet I, he I really was. Think. I bet he the, was. I, the interesting point you bring up with the Rams, with uh, Goff, is you know at, with the way Gurley played last season, that really that really helped. That was I that think was the Goff, year Gurley too was was like his rookie year. I think Goff's year, rookie year Gurley was bad. Gurley was not that good. Yeah, and Gurley didn't or um, excuse me, Goff didn't have a lot of weapons to really throw to. And then last year they get you know a, a guy and you, you get know, you have a guy like Sean McVay. Yep, you have a and, guy like Sean McVay. <laughs> you bring in assets like Robert Woods. 
Um, yeah, you sign Robert Woods, you, you trade Cooper for Sammy Cup Watkins. That, that comes in Cooper and Cup comes in, develops yeah. into a nice kind of slot third receiver. Yeah. And now you've got a guy in Brandon Cooks who's a speed guy that can get down the field and, and is yeah. going to be able to, to catch some nice throws from Jared Goff. So, I mean, Goff is set up quite nicely to succeed They're, for several yeah. years in, in L.A., and I kind of see that as maybe a kind of a mold that maybe the Bills are trying to follow there is that, okay, we look at, and and I'll, I'll reference, I know I'm coming to jumble around a little bit here, but no, that's fine. let's first look at Cam Newton. When he first sure. came in, Carolina was a terrible team. Carolina yes. didn't have all the greatest of weapons on offense, and, and Cam Newton comes in, a guy who is, is quite big, a guy who's very athletic, he can be mobile, but yet he can throw the ball, and his accuracy wasn't all that great. Comes in his first year, and if I remember correctly, it was an okay year, but it wasn't all that great. And then what do you know, like a couple years later, Cam Newton's developing into this really good quarterback, and he helps lead Carolina to a Super Bowl. And it's the same thing with with Jared Goff here in, in L.A. is that yeah. the first year, things weren't great. He sat, you know, I think Cam Newton did start right away, though, but I'm using Goff here. But I think Goff is the press prime example of how hopefully we want to have Allen develop into being an NFL quarterback. I think there's another guy, another team that we can look for, but they, they still have to prove that it, that you, that it can, that that process, uh, that idea can work. And that's the Chicago bears mm-hmm. with, with Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky. because of how, what, what they were doing last year. Right. It all depends on how Glenn, Trubisky plays this yeah, year. And that, exactly what I'm exactly what I'm saying, because you had Trubisky set the first few games behind Mike Lennon. Glennon wasn't doing anything for them. So they're like, okay, let's throw Trubisky in. And now they got an idea of what they want to what what kind of weapons they need around him and, and what they want to build the team. And so they, they go, bring in an innovative offensive coach in in um Matt Nagy. I yes. Think, I think his first name is Matt. Yeah, uh, yeah. Forgive me. I'm I'm not great with names, but I know its last name is Nagy and I think it is Matt. So um as as Frank is frantically trying to uh, yeah. look up, yeah, it's Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, thank yeah. you, thank you. I should have had more confidence in myself, but <laughs> you um, should. With with Matt Nagy though, he's he's an innovative, offensive minded coach. Comes yep. from Chicago or not Chicago, Kansas City. Yeah, under Andy Reid, and um, who's also another very innovative guy mm-hmm. uh, in his own way. But uh, so Mitch Trubisky is potentially another one of those uh, quarterbacks that could be that Jared Goff or maybe the next Josh Allen, where. He sits a little bit to start the year. He comes in because he, he gets the understanding of how the offense works and how the NFL works. And then next thing you know, he's playing all right, okay. He gets better throughout the year. And then the next year, the team builds weapons around him. I mean, Chicago is is built up a nice plethora of weapons for uh, for Mitch Trubisky to throw to or you know to get the ball to. And even a guy like Jordan Howard's still there. He's going to be there. Um, Tariq Cohen is in the backfield, but um, but right behind Jordan Howard. So, I mean, Chicago could be set up to do something pretty impressive in the NFC North this year. But, um, I mean, you're looking at all these young quarterbacks and how they're projecting. Josh Allen just seems like it's going to be that next line of young quarterbacks to, to make his way up in the NFL. And Maybe he doesn't see the field at all this year because Nathan Peterman continues his strong play into the regular season. uh, Who knows? But, I mean, I think at this point it's Peterman going to be starting, and I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen is the backup until either McCarron gets healthy or McCarron maybe gets traded. I mean, we're seeing a lot of rumblings around the league about backup quarterbacks getting traded. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was just traded to the North. Yeah, I was just to say, that was just something I want to, yeah, I was going to mention too. So, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater going from now to Jets to the Saints, that's kind of random well I mean I think it's not surprising that the Jets are trading Bridgewater 
I'm surprised that New Orleans is the team that they trade him to well, because I think you would figure with the way Bridgewater has been playing, he deserves an opportunity to start. And going to New Orleans where Drew Brees is kind of doesn't really do that. It kind of defeats that whole purpose of where Teddy should be playing because it was the same thing with going with signing with the Jets last year because with, with this move, it, it that solidifies that Darnold starting for that week one. Right. Right, so the Cowan's going to be the backup quarterback. Yeah, but, so that 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 was good. So that that's kind of where like, okay, I mean, Teddy just he's played well enough to where he should, if he's going to get traded to a team, it should be a team that wants to start him. Mm-hmm. But, but he goes to New Orleans. But Saint, the Saints are making a smart move because I think I think Drew it's a Brees, smart move. Yeah, after Drew Brees, who's their backup? Yeah, exactly. Tom Savage. Yeah, exactly. Tom Savage, as we've known and learned when he was I don't, in. I think, that's, I think that's fine that, I mean, the Saints are looking for a guy who could back up Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. It's just that you would figure that Teddy's going to be a guy that goes to a team for that wants to start him. The perfect team I've been thinking of this whole time was the Jags. If Teddy went to the Jags yeah. to start, he would start over Bortles. I think Jacksonville uh, is gonna get Blake is gonna be is, one of those guys. Blake Bortles is gonna get every chance that he that he, is. he can to start. Teddy, and continue to I be think successful. I think if Te- if Teddy plays well in uh New in, in Jacksonville, that's he, a that's the, that's the favorite team to win, to go to the Super Bowl. Right with the with the way that defense is, and right. you have Leonard Fournette. Yep. I mean, yep, obviously it's all about the receiver. The it's all about the quarterback. It there. is all about the quarterback. So you have, so yeah. So Teddy's going to New Orleans. We'll see what's up with Allen. We'll see who starts with Peterman. Allen. I'm starting to think the Bills are even are gonna go that Chicago route, and Peterman starts at like the first month of the year, and then they see where he is. If he's not playing well, then, then you, you go uh, on there. Yeah. Then you start Allen. Yep. So, so I'm so something like that kind of was starting to be starting to go where I'm thinking. Um, the other big news in the NFL today: Aaron Rodgers signed a contract extension. Yep, four years, hundred and thirty-four million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's crazy money. I mean, that not crazy is money insane money. I think Aaron Rodgers may be the Which best quarterback absolutely in the NFL. Worth it. Oh, he absolutely is. I, I, I think he's right up there as a as a top three guy. Don't don't ask me who I think would be the number one guy. I I honestly don't know between him Brady and I don't know. It's he's probably he's a top two guy. He's a top two guy. There I'll say it. Aaron okay. Rodgers is a top two guy in the NFL. He deserved the money, and it's a lot of money to pay for your quarterback. But for a guy who has a, a proven track record of having success and leading his team to uh, to playoffs year in and year out, just you know, outside of him last year being unhealthy after breaking his collarbone. Um, you know the Packers are are going to be relying on on Rodgers for the next several years to help them lead them to future playoff chances. And man, I mean Aaron Rodgers getting paid the way that he probably should have paid been paid years ago. But the change, the ways of the NFL now is you're throwing big money at your big players, and mm-hmm. the uh, the Packers are unloading that money right now on Rodgers. And I think it's a smart move just get him lock up. But even though he is a little older. I mean, you're looking at Brady. He's 41 years old right now, and he there's a chance he could play until he's 45. Yeah, really. I, I know a lot of Bills fans are hoping that's not the case, but I we'll see. You know, whatever happens, happens. That's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at with them. 
Uh, okay. So, so yeah, Rogers, Rogers signs. Teddy's a saint now. Means Darnold's gonna start Week One. If I had to take the guess, I think Peterman's gonna start Week One as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Allen plays the entire or even starts right. The that's game that's against one Chicago. Thing, that's one thing that we were talking about this morning, Sal and I, because Harvey yeah. and Jeremy were both out. But um, Sal and I were talking if if you know Josh Allen is not going to be named the starter for Week One. Let's say it's Nathan Peterman, and and they already have their mind made up or what have you. You know, do you give Josh Allen that entire game against Chicago just to continue to let him progress and get an evaluation on him, or do you maybe want to throw in AJ McCarron again, see how he's feeling, and see if he can somehow reclaim anything? Um, you know, with the second string or even with the starting role. I think that Nathan Peterman has essentially locked it up and. I don't know. I just I just feel like that AJ McCarron hasn't really done enough to yeah. fully solidify himself as even the second string guy. And I know the the shoulder injury certainly didn't help, but yeah, um, you know it also it also raises questions as to what their plans are with him for the future. Do they try and trade him now, or do they? I mean, do they they have three quarterbacks dress every game and then just have? Allen be the second and AJ is like the emergency guy. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds with him, but uh the quarterback battle I think is is slowly but surely coming to an end, but yeah, now oh it's yeah. all about Josh Allen again and okay, is he worthy of being the second string guy right behind Peterman or is he still needing some work and he just got off to a hot start? Because I mean again, I don't think that his preseason has been bad. The game on Sunday wasn't I don't think was a, a, a huge red flag or anything concerning like that. I think it was just he was bombarded by the Cincinnati defense. They brought everything out and they 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 made him they they really made him have that welcome to the NFL moment where they just bombarded him and they they pressured him and Allen's going to take what he what he sees on the tape and he's going to learn from his experience and he's going to move forward with it and hopefully it'll make him a better quarterback. Yeah, definitely definitely feeling that way too. Definitely feeling that way. Okay. Bills, so the Bills play the Bears on on Sunday. That's pretty much just a washout game. Most of the basically all the backups are going to be playing. So we're kind of so whoever doesn't play, which you know we know Shady's not going to play. We know Benjamin's not going to play. Probably a lot of the guys receivers who are going to make this team aren't going to play. The offensive line, we'll see what happens. It's yeah, it's really just comes of after that when we figure out who is going to be the starter. Whether it's Peterman, whether it's Allen, slightly McCarron, but it's going to be between Peterman and Allen. Let's talk. Let's move into hockey a little bit. You got a couple things. It was just announced yesterday. I believe yesterday, Sabres training camp is going to start September thirteenth. Hockey season is almost back, which you know you and I are extremely excited for. Being the hockey guys, we are. Yeah, I'm more than excited for this upcoming season. Yeah. We just had we just had I believe it was last week that little update on the Eric Carlson situation about how how there are teams who are who have been trying to make a move for him or talking to Ottawa the that past few days and now just recently we got Tyler Sagan in the news in the news about contract extensions with Dallas not going so well. What you know? What are we gonna see? F- that's going to be a lot of questions with 
Dallas going into the year because they were also one of those teams that was rumored to try to move for Eric Carlson. I, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm interested to see how this continues to play out. It's been yeah on hold for so long, just just the Carlson situation, and it's a lot like the Matt Duchesne situation too. Just yeah. trade him already. Mm-hmm. It, 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 what are you waiting for, Ottawa? Yeah, you're you're a terrible team as it is. Your your captain has openly denied contract extensions you you offered him a contract extension he's denied them and I, I just I just don't understand what they're waiting for they're, are they really waiting for that perfect deal to arise when it's probably not going to be let's be totally realistic here every team that is going to ask for their their premium is never going to get premium even Ryan even the Ryan O'Reilly trade I thought Buffalo got great value out of that trade but did they get everything that they were asking for I I don't necessarily think so but it was a pretty damn good deal to get three players who could potentially play in the NHL right off the bat a first round a first round pick and a second round pick mm-hmm. that's great value for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly yeah. Eric Carlson's probably going to get some good value in return as well but I think Ottawa I don't know if they're setting their expectations way too high for a return for value but I mean you you can't just let him go and walk in free agency for absolutely nothing. It's going to bite them in the butt if they do that. And, and I think that, you know, if, I I I really do think that Pierre Dorian is a smart guy. But I mean, he did trade a first round pick for Matt Duchesne, and then yeah. he did uh, you know finish as low as they did, and they're projected to finish and even that, worse than where they did. And they yeah. gave their first-round pick this year to Colorado. Yeah, like, deciding that and, and they really that Brady deciding that they off. really wanted Brady Kachuk. I mean, <laughs> they're a team next year that they're, they might finish as the worst team in the NHL, especially after they trade Eric Carlson, and depending on what value they get in return. Think, they, don't have, they don't really have any assets. I think that they are, are the to, worst team in the NHL. So right now you can say that, but I mean, they they don't have much promise to show. I know Kachuk, I, could, Brady's gonna be good, but at the same time, I don't even know if he's gonna play in the NHL right away. I don't think he's not gonna play in the NHL right he away. No, he's likely he likely right now his options are the Ottawa, uh, Belleville. I, I, yeah, I, in I was the just AHL, about to say, I think he can go to the AHL. He can, and he can also play in the OHL. Right, but uh, but I mean, for which an, the OHL would be nice for him. The he OHL play, would he be gets to go right. to he would go to London. Yep, that where his brother played. Yeah, London would probably be the best option for him. Yeah, I think so. That's, um, that's what I'm if thinking. He's, I mean, if he shows that he's ready to play at the NHL level, that's great. But like, if he's not ready to play at the NHL level, how much ready is he going to play at the AHL level? That's that's the next question. There mm-hmm. is if he goes to training camp. He puts up an all right effort, but it shows, okay, he clearly needs some work in developing his game further along. What good is the AHL level going to do for him? We look at we look at the situation with Alex Nylander here in Buffalo. Alex Nylander was thrown into the AHL because he only had really two options, two realistic options outside. You know, the OHL, he could have gone back, but it certainly seems like... You know, it certainly seems like that option was not really going to be realistic. It was either go back to Sweden and play or go to the AHL and play in Rochester. Yeah. It almost seems like the best option for him would have been go to go back to Sweden and play, but that's what I he comes he, that's he, what I was saying. He comes to play in Rochester and He went to a mess. He did. He went to a mess under he, under under management that 
really did not know how to run an AHL properly team. run even an NHL team. Yeah. It, it seemed like that Tim Murray's time here in Buffalo outside of getting Eichel was a complete not, tire fire. Yeah. It, it just, and there was turmoil inside the organization. There was, there was no cohesiveness whatsoever. Um, he kind of just figured, all right, I've got this, uh, this talent that I've acquired in Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly. I'm just going to throw a team together. They should all just gel together with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart. And we should be all set with Boom. a guy like Dan Bilesma. And nope. that first year was a promising year, but then we saw in the second year, it all it got exposed fired and exploded in his face. He gets fired. Dan Bilesma gets fired. And now Tim Murray, we don't even know where he is. We don't even know if he has a job in the NHL. Last I heard, I think he was working with the Minnesota Wilds. That was the last I heard. Right. And, but it and was that's under like a guy the, in Chuck Fletcher who yeah, those guys have done just business got together. They're great friends. And Fletcher from got what fired. We understand. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so. so, real quick before we continue, third round pick going to the Jets for Teddy Bridgewater. So, really nice shot just by the third rounder. Okay. It's the same thing the Bills got for Tyrod. Yep. So, so, yeah, Tim Murray's time we know was a tight fire. The biggest thing with Alex Nealander that I always mention he he roomed with Cal O'Reilly his rookie year. <laughs> yeah. And what and, happened there? Oh, I, I mean, Cal O'Reilly literally said, literally I don't want to be team. here. Yep. He quit on the team. He went to the he was loaned to the Marlies. Yep. He was loaned so the Sabres didn't even get or didn't even get anything for him. And then this year he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. He he got hurt right away at Prospects Challenge when people thought that he could he could maybe contend for a spot on this roster. And he gets hurt. He doesn't get healthy again until November. He gets off to a terrible start. Goes to the World Juniors. Oh. Plays okay at the World Juniors, but yeah. really was a disappointment, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Then all of a sudden, late in the season, he starts coming around. He plays really well in Rochester. He gets called up to the NHL level. He scores his first NHL goal. Goes back to Rochester to end the season to begin the playoffs and gets benched by the end of the playoffs, Game 3. He's sitting on the bench as a fourth liner. And... Um, really disappointing to see how that unfolded with Nylander. Hopefully this year he's he's ready to go. He's healthy first off. That's I think that's the biggest thing with Alex Nylander. Yes, just be healthy. Come in one hundred percent ready to go. He didn't even go. I mean, he didn't even play at the development camp at all this past year because I think they were trying to preserve his health. And if he comes in healthy, if he comes in and he is capable of of being better. Um, I mean that would just that's an that's an obvious wet blanket statement right there. But I mean, if he if he comes into training camp, he's healthy. We know this type of skill that he has. If he comes in and he wants to put in the work and he really wants to show the organization that hey, I'm uh I'm ready to come in and, and be an NHL full timer now, that would be really great. But what have we seen from Alex Nylander that has is going to to say to Jason Bottrell or anybody in the Sabers organization that he's ready to go? Outside right. of that very brief hot streak that he had last year where he scored his goal, he came up, and then next thing you know, he's back in Rochester and struggling again. He, I mean, he's that. this is going to be his big offseason and big preseason where he better come out and he better be ready to go. And even if he gets sent back to Rochester, then he can't get discouraged. Then he can't get in that mood where he's just like, well, I should be in the NHL. Because guess what? That type of mood is going to get you nowhere. Just ask mm-hmm. Luke Adam. Ha! <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, that's just the sad realization. Yeah, though. that's true. And and Alex Nylander, he's got to have a change. Uh, you know, he's got to have a change of heart with his mindset and, and change of heart with what he wants to be in the NHL and, and how he wants to work. Because if he continues this path of, you know, of expectations of that he should be in the NHL and, you know, his, his entitlement that he feels that he has. He's not going to be in Buffalo much longer, let alone he probably won't even be a, a good player in the NHL because the Sabres will trade him. He'll go to another team. He'll he'll play with this, the same skill set, but you know it's just going to be the same attitude. He's just going to go out there. He's going to play uninspired, which I get it. His game is mostly that way. But what difference is it going to make whether he's pl- dressing in Sabres blue and gold or whether he goes to some other team and tries to play? He's mm-hmm. going to have that same attitude. It's never going to change. Right, right. And and his chances of going somewhere else and succeeding are going to be highly unlikely. So, real quick, too, just to get a, we're going to get a little off track. Benjamin Albright's reporting that Aaron Donald is close to signing a new deal with the Rams. Take it for what it's worth with Benjamin Albright, because he can be... Yeah. He can be... That's true. Super... I mean, he could be close to sources and be right, or this is he true. can throw stuff out there that... You know, he's he's thick. And 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 mind you, I think Benjamin Albright is is one of those guys that yeah, it seems like he's got his his sources, he's got his close knit ties to some people and some teams, but outside of that, he has gotten stuff wrong. And he's faced ridicule for that. And, you know, I'm not here to criticize him or anything. I'm just I'm just here to say that just take it for what it's worth. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, you know what? It, it's it's bound to happen soon, and he, with Aaron Donald, and and he should get paid. Cause he should, he should get paid, just like Khalil Mack should get paid, and Khalil Mack will get paid By next someone. March. Next March, did one hundred percent. We don't know what team, but we'll see what happens with that. So back to hockey, though. How about those reports of Leonard now with the Islanders, former Sabres goalie Robin Leonard, that he only sharpens and skates once a year. Not surprising. It's really not. It's really not surprising when you think about it, because we know what Robin Leonard was like the last three years. Really, though, like there's got to be some superstition for him, because he's a goalie. Goalies are very superstitious. Right. I should know. I'm a goalie. Right. I have why no explanation only for why he once? Does that. Yeah, like I mean, for for a, a position like goaltender. You have to move around in the crease pretty well. Yep. And you're shuffling back and forth all the time. This even, is true. Even sometimes you have to, you know, skate out of the net and play the puck, or you, you're you're doing things that you're moving in different ways that not a lot of other players on the ice will move. I mean, listen, I, I really skate out of the crease when I play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you're you're not. I'm, but I'm also that, not in the NHL. No, yeah, exactly. You're not playing in the NHL. Robin Leonard's an NHL goaltender. Hearing something like that makes me continue to just say in my head, why on God's earth did did Tim Murray trade a first-round pick for a goaltender who was clearly a mental case when he was in Ottawa? And obviously he comes here and remained in a mental case. And just it, it was just one of those situations where you hear this and you think, of course. Of course mm-hmm. this was the case. And... 
For it's, a guy like Robin yeah. Leonard, who oftentimes moved very awkwardly in net and didn't move well in net, didn't get close to the, does to the post or anything. That explains a lot. You want to know why you don't move so well or you're struggling? Maybe you should sharpen your skates once in a while. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just it, a common thought there. The big, the big thing that you, you, you know, too, he's a professional hockey player. He can, he can get the newest equipment at the snap of a finger. All he has to do is go to equipment manager and be like, hey, I need new skates. Be like, equipment manager be like, done. Bam. New or, skates. hey, can you sharpen my skates for once? Hey, yeah. All he has to do is just have the equipment manager sharpen his skates once a day. Takes, a, takes what, 10 minutes to sharpen a skate? It depends. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. That's all. Just before you, go, before you hop on the ice, just make them nice and fresh. Yep. And you can have the freshest skates. Proper clean, all of that, every day, before practice, before games, the whole season. And when you need new skates, snap a finger, new skates, same thing, same process, all over again. No, not for Leonard. One time, once a year. Right at the beginning of the year, sharpen them. Oh, they'll last the whole, they'll last the whole year. No, they don't. <laughs> I have goalie skates. They are bad, and I don't have the money to buy proper brand new ones. So I got to use of what I have. And you got to keep sharpening them and sharpening them until you got no blade pretty much. Left. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. I mean, it, I, sh- I barely sharpen my it, skates anyway, but just, even still, like I have an excuse. <laughs> I, I saw that quote that was in that one article. Um, and forgive me, I can't remember who wrote the article. It might have been Greg Wyshynski or, or um, somebody like that. But looking back at it and seeing that quote it didn't surprise me with Robin Leonard just because of the type yeah. of player that he was and the yeah. personality that he had and it it just goes to show like okay that type of culture in the locker room is not going to get you anywhere and that's what happened to buffalo that culture kind of set in uh, and I, and I'm not saying that oh well that's a direct correlation to well you know the culture of the oh it's okay to lose it's just like there were guys on the roster in buffalo that didn't care what happened. And I think Robin Leonard was one of those guys that had a huge reputation or, or you know, a, a huge part of the reason why that that thought process and that uh, and just the way that everything developed into that type of thinking in the in the locker room where it's just like, man, you know, we suck. I know we suck, but I don't care. I'm just going to go out there and, and play whatever that that kind of mindset is toxic. It's very toxic. And then it leads to other things where it becomes acceptable to lose in the locker room. And that's exactly what happened in Buffalo. Robin Leonard's gone. And I don't want to throw Ryan O'Reilly under the bus here, but Ryan O'Reilly's now gone. There's a huge change in the culture of the locker room. And you've got guys now in like Connor Sherry, Jeff Skinner. You've got Rasmus Dahlin now in. You have Jack Eichel coming back in in a totally different mindset from where he was last year. And you've got other guys that are coming in, and this locker room seems to be overhauled to the point where I think Jason Bottrell and Phil Housley might be starting to build a roster and a team here that these are the type of players that they want. It's like that transition with the Bills where they got rid of the guys that didn't want to be here or they didn't fit the culture or what have you. Those guys come out. The guys that are in here are now in. And that what do you know? Next, The next year, you know, that year that they started making all those moves – and they build a new team, they're in a playoff because they've all got the right mindset. They're all working hard for one goal. Now the Sabres are doing that, and we're starting to see that almost that same transition, and now we're kind of thinking, okay, yeah, going into this season, 
with the change and with the overhaul and with the the bad juju kind of out of the locker room, could we see a similar result with the Buffalo Sabres where maybe they contend throughout the year and maybe make a late push for the playoffs, kind of like the Bills did? I wouldn't rule it out of the question. I don't think it's I out. Think, because I think that Jason Bottrell is a is an innovative mind in, in the game of hockey. He was a big part of how Pittsburgh won two straight Stanley Cups and the success that they had for several, several years in Pittsburgh. I think that Jason Bottrell knows how the game operates. I think he's he's up to date with how the game is supposed to be built with speed and skill. And Phil Housley is a guy who I think last year didn't have the the right pieces in place to really help his team be successful or help his system work. But now he's starting to get guys that might be now he's starting to get his guys. Exactly. Might be might be those guys last that year can help his system actually finally work. Last year really wasn't able to get his guys. Last year seemed to be more of let's weed out some of the bad Let's just fill a team for this year, right? And as the year goes on, we'll make we'll make moves to get guys that we and sure, want here. And sure, there are coaches, and and some of the decisions that Phil Housley made are are puzzling. Some some decisions are very puzzling. For instance, one of the decisions that I, I think you know where I'm going with this is Victor. Antipen. Why don't you play guys like Victor Antipin or guys that you know? Hey. They might have a future with his team. Why don't you play these guys more instead of playing, you know, Matt Tennyson or, you know, Jordan Nolan consistently? Guys who are never going to go anywhere in the NHL. They've been in the NHL for so long. They're not going anywhere. You got a young 24, 25 year old kid who's playing his first year in North America, who is a guy who's supposed to move the puck well for you and skate pretty decently and be a smart, reliable player. And you're sitting him for a, a veteran in Josh George's why? It just those type of decisions. You never understand why they make them or why Housley made them. But I mean, granted, <laughs> there wasn't much for him to work with anyway. So yeah. hopefully this year it might be a nice turnaround, and he might be able to work with something that he might be able to have fit his system better. And you know if. If that's the case, and Jason Bottrell and Phil Housley are finally starting to figure it out here in Buffalo, I mean, and I think they are, then this this season might be really fun. I think no and matter what. And especially with Rasmus Dahlin coming in, who, yeah. is, who I know a lot of people were Full expecting year. a lot from him when they were doing the three-on-three challenge. I guarantee you, Rasmus Dahlin does things that not a lot of defense and, and and when He's I say not, not a lot of defensemen, there's maybe a, like a 2% amount of defensemen in the NHL that can do what he's going to be able to do in the NHL for 15-plus years. I think a lot of fans are just getting infatuated with the idea of what Rasmus Nolin will become, and they're thinking, oh, he can do this now. Yeah. When that's not when that's not going to be the case, My right, right now – my expectations for Darlene is he's like he's probably going to start out playing top four minutes. He'll probably play about somewhere between nineteen to twenty minutes a night, maybe with a guy like Marco Scandella or a guy like Jake McCabe. And as he progresses, as he moves forward, he'll start to gain some more minutes. Start to play. He'll play a lot on the power play, especially. And as as the season goes forward, he'll start to gain more minutes. Maybe start to play Ristolainen as well, and then you see, you know, you'll see him start to take over and start to do the things that he was meant to be drafted for, mm-hmm. that, or that he was drafted for. And in terms of stats wise, I mean, I 
right away, I think right away, I think you can pence, you, he can be a forty point guy in his rookie year. You think he's going to be? Uh, I a, think a he, top contender for the Calder. I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Him and uh, and then you're now in full season of Casey Middlestat mm-hmm. too. You know, Middlestat's a guy that people are saying too should yeah, should, should, should be, be in the to. Calder race I, as well. I think is I think if you see Rasmus Dahlin and Casey Middlestat in the top three for the Calder Trophy at the end of the year in Vegas. You probably the get the idea are, that the Sabers are a playoff team. I think they're. I think they're contenders. Right. And I, I think honestly, it would have to be they're a playoff team because you're going to look around the NHL and you're going to see. Okay, there's going to be some rookies that come in from this draft class, and in particular, we're going to see Dalin and Svechnikov probably play right away. Yes. I don't think Jesperi Kokaniemi or Brady Kachuk. I, Doubt Philip Zadina or any of these other guys. Zadina might play right away. Zadina might. Well, the Red Wings are a terrible team anyway. They are bad. They might just play him and 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 see what happens. And actually, we've talked about the Red Wings now. There's reports that Zetterberg may not even play this year. Right, right. But but going back to the the Calder discussion, there's going to be a guy. I mean, there's going to be other guys that will come in, you know, right after the second year after their draft year. Like a guy that I think is going to be right up there too is Elias Pettersson. From Vancouver. Vancouver. He is a phenomenal. Oh, my God. Phenomenal player. He's so So awesome. Offensively gifted. He is so skilled with the puck. He just knows how to put up the points. He knows where the puck needs to go, whether it's in the back of the net or on a teammate's stick. I mean, he led the Swedish Hockey League last year in scoring as a 19-year-old. Yeah. He is incredible. In the playoffs, he uh, he led a Swedish team to a championship pretty much single-handedly. He was the reason and the the X-factor for that team. And he necessarily didn't do it all by himself, but he was he had the a guy monster that year. he he was the production for you know putting up points. And and as um Scott Wheeler from the Athletic, he he wrote an article about Casey Middlestat, and I think it applies exactly to Elias Pettersson as well. He was saying about Casey Middlestat is that a lot of the points that the team was putting up was a direct was directly correlated to Casey Middlestat being the guy who started it or finished it himself. He was the guy that kind of set up everything, whether he set up a goal for himself or whether he set up uh, a goal for a teammate or something like that. Elias Patterson is that exact same type of player. And he's going to be, I agree. He's going to be a nice replacement for the Sedin twins. Granted, I know it's the twins. It's, it's two players instead of one. But Elias Patterson is going to come in here as a 19-year-old into the NHL, play for Vancouver, and I think he can be immediately the guy that kind of makes up for some of the offense loss from the Sedin Twins. Well, you know who's going to help mitigate that loss from the Sedin Twins as well in Vancouver is Brock Besser. Brock Besser. Who I, mean, I know is entering his second year, right. but even still, you've got bit. you. Vancouver's got a lot of interesting pieces coming up as well. Going back right. with the Sabres, I... I think I still think a lot of things have to go right for them to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I do I do think if they got Middlestat and Darlene in the, the top three, both of them. Yeah, they're probably a playoff. I think team. they're right up there. Yeah. Because the, my big but well, my biggest thing too is I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're a contender for to be the make of the oh, playoffs. For sure. Just because for there's sure. a just because there's a lot of really good teams in the East. For sure. And in the Atlantic, you know they're not gonna be top three. Mm-hmm. What are the chances that they're better than Florida? It's not very high. They're good. They should be better than Montreal, Detroit, and Ottawa. Right. But it's Florida that's the team where I think Florida's going to make the playoffs this year. And then you got they're it's and then who's going to be the other wild card team? Buffalo should be in that mix. You've got teams like New Jersey and Columbus who should be in that mix as well. I think the top three in the Metro right now is going to be Washington, Pittsburgh, and Philly. 
And then you've got teams. Then you got, like I said, you got New Jersey and you got Columbus. I think teams like Carolina and both New York teams are going to fall off as well. So that's realistically, you're looking at two teams that the Sabres have to be better than in order for them to make the playoffs this year. And if it, and things are going to have to go right for that to happen. Even even if Middlestat and Darlene are in the top three for right. Calder, there are there's still there's. I still won't guarantee that they'll make the playoffs, even with that. I think the chances, though, of them making the playoffs are still are really high oh, if that happens. Are really yeah. high if that happens. Yeah. Especially too when you now, when we're hoping and we're expecting goaltending to be a little more stable this year with Carter Hutton coming in and hopefully Lena Solmark taking those reins. See, there's uh, I, I laugh at the people that project the Sabers to finish like dead last in the NHL again. I just don't think that's happening. I, I cannot see how it's, this is possibly going to happen because the Sabres are, are pretty gifted up front. They're getting their, some of their better prospects ready to go in the AHL level now where those guys can probably come up at the NHL level this year at yeah. some point and be contributors. Their defense looks so much better with the guy with guys like Dalene finally in the picture. Maybe a healthy Bogosian will be a benefactor. Hopefully. Ristolainen is back in the picture, and you know I, I think that there's still room for him to grow his game and be better. Yep. Uh, and their goaltending situation with Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark I think is way better off than it was with Chad Johnson and Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think that Linus Allmark is such a solid goaltender mentally, physically, with the way he plays. I think his style of play is is unique. It's, it's sort of resembling of Henrik Lund where he's solid in all facets of his game, but he is definitely out of the box with with the type of goaltender he can be. And Carter Hutton, from all accounts that we know, he's a great locker room guy. He's a great leader. And it, I think they're way better off in every asset, you know, in every facet, I should say, whether it's in the locker room or on the ice or off the ice. I think that, you know, Jack Eichel should be ready to take over the captaincy. I think he will take over the captaincy this year. And... This team actually has a direction where for the past five, six, seven, eight years, the direction has been, you know, hey, we're just going to try and contend at first when Darcy Bergeron and Lindy Ruff are still here. Then at one point, it's the the quote of, you know, this is going to require some suffering with, with trying to rebuild. Yep. And then Tim Murray comes in, he tanks, gets Reinhardt first, then gets Eichel. And then after that, it was kind of like, all right, let's get a bunch of talent in here. And let's throw it all together. Let's see what happens. And we should have a good team. Ah. And that was a terrible direction to lead your team. And it went nowhere. And then Jason Bottrell comes in last year. And Phil Housley comes in. And he pretty much has to take an entire year, dedicate an entire year to try and evaluate who he needs to keep in place, who he needs to move out. He got that full year. The Sabres finished dead last. They won the draft lottery. They draft Aline. They make a bunch of moves. And they're going to have almost like half of the roster is going to be entirely new this year. And that is... A good thing because they're building a new culture here in Buffalo with the Sabres. The locker room is going to be in good hands, I think, under Jack and under some of the other guys that are coming in. And I think the Sabres are way better off now. And they actually finally seem to be having a direction on where they're going to be going for the future. And it feels really good. It feels really good that finally we can look at this team and say, there's a direction here. And, And granted... They've got a guy like Jeff Skinner coming in. He needs to get signed to a new contract after this year. And what happens if he puts up 30-plus goals this year and let's say he gets 70 to 75 points? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that and, – and you get the chance to re-sign him. Maybe you start to begin signing contracts that are very friendly to the team, kind of like a Tampa Bay Lightning situation where they've got all these really good players, but they're signing super-friendly team contracts because they know – 
we can win in this league for several years. Yeah. And if we keep the core together, we keep the players that need to be here in order to keep winning, There, it might happen. It might happen. But again, there's going to be guys that come here. They're going to come here and play, and then they're going to realize, well, I don't want to be here anymore and, and move on, and so be it. But I think that if you could start to establish that culture and move in that direction that we think they're going to move in finally, I think that changes things. And that phrase, winning changes everything. I know it's a super big cliche, but it applies. It does It does really apply. And, yeah, I'm super, super excited. Just bring on the fall already. Bring, bring on, on the regular on season October. of football. Bring on training camp and preseason for hockey because oh. that's the nice thing, too. Hockey preseason and training camp is not as exhausting and as drawn out as the NFL preseason. It really, yeah. That is the huge thing. And not only that, but once the NFL regular season gets going, it all just kind of starts flying in place. Fall comes around. Can't the wait. hashtag elite season, as Jeremy calls it. <laughs> and it, it totally applies. Labor Day cannot come soon enough, and that is on Monday. And once Labor Day comes, I'm I'm just like Let's hoodies go. and shorts, let's and, and let's bring on the fall. Let's bring on hockey. Let's bring on regular season hockey football. Season needs to be here now, and we're hitting the glory season here. Yeah, and, and right up until probably Christmas and New Year. That's when you know the football season then ends, and playoffs come yes. around. And hopefully, just hopefully, by that point, the Sabers will be contending They'll through be playoffs. Fun instead to watch. of being out of it and not fun to watch. Uh, I I can't I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm just I'm giddy. I'm super. I think that's excited. a perfect. I think this is a perfect note to end on. I think. To I, yo, end the oh, absolutely, this. A- absolutely. This, is, this has been the leftovers podcast. We ended on a great note. We ended guys. on a fantastic note. Derek's not here, and that's just fantastic because who needs who needs him? <laughs> Frank and Brayton are gonna get do everything now. We're gonna get you through the elite. No, season. no, Derek will no, be there. No, no, Derek. Derek I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. Derek will be here. Brayton's got to worry about doing the morning show and everything, but. But thank you for having me. This was thanks a lot for of fun. coming this on, Brayton. Absolutely love love being able to talk to you about all about the wide world of sports and everything. All right, this has been the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer, Frank R. Curry. Derek will be back on Sunday. We will be, we will have an episode on Sunday. We didn't have one last sun, last week because of the Bills game, so we'll have one. We'll have one on Sunday. We'll I don't know what we'll do. We'll probably maybe preview the NFL season. Who knows? Or we'll talk about some fantasy football and stuff like that. But. I'm Frank Curry with Brayton Wilson. We'll see you later. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.